Welcome to Engage Boise. We hope that you enjoy this live recording of our Sunday service. Uh, this morning, uh, we're finishing up four weeks of talking about this phrase we use all the time, that if we believe, if we love the family, then we can change the world. And that means uh, our family in our home, however it looks. That means our family here in God's house. And uh, we know no family is perfect uh, in our homes or in God's house because we're a part of it, right? Family can't be perfect if I'm in the middle of it, I can tell you that. So these last couple weeks we've been talking about how do we do it? How do we love the family? And how does it change the world? How do we, in these uncertain times where you wake up on a Monday and all of a sudden banks are collapsing, like where did that come from, right, out of left field? (laughs) These uncertain times, how do we go about loving the family? We establish first that the way we love the family, most importantly, is by embracing Christ. We have to embrace Christ in our lives. Last week, we talked about how uh, we love the family with specifically how we worship. We talked a lot about worshiping in song in this place. We really focused on how we worship, how Jesus uh, told the woman in the New Testament to worship in spirit and in truth, the Samaritan woman. Just one phrase I want to remind you of if you weren't here last week or just remind you of it. Uh, we said that when we worship God in spirit and truth, we align our hearts with his, we relinquish control, and we trust him with the outcome of our life. That's what was happening when we sang those songs a moment ago, trusting him with the outcome of our lives. It's not always easy to do. This morning, we're talking about one more way that we love the family and uh, thereby change the world, and that is in how we serve, how we serve. Uh, now, the word serve, obviously different definitions, different connotations. We're going to be fo- I did that last week too. Uh, we're going to focus in today on how the Bible talks about serving with our very life. And to be honest, in our world, right, 2023, at least in America, being called a servant's not generally a good thing. But that is at odds with the Bible because as Christians, it's really plain to see. It says this, we should serve because serving is what Jesus shows us how to do. You're going to hear that several times today. We should serve because Jesus shows us how to do it. Jesus' time when he was on earth, we know the most about the last three and a half years when he was on earth. And it was full. He was doing these supernatural, miraculous things. But if you go look at what he did, it was full of meeting the needs of others. He was feeding people who were hungry, right? He was healing disease of people who had been uh, afflicted their entire life. He was ultimately healing hearts, doing that, and he would ultimately heal every heart that wants to be healed by giving his very life for him. We should serve because serving is what Jesus showed us how to do. We're going to unpack the example of how Jesus informs us in that as we go along this morning. The way we use that word serve, right, is usually in line with the traditional definition of the word. It means perform duties or services for another person or organization. It might mean to present food or drink to someone. I believe what God wants us to consider today is his people, is that what if as the church, not just this church, but the big C church, all the churches that believe in Jesus, instead of asking what can I get out of this, we started to ask how is God asking me to serve? What if we started thinking about it that way? Maybe you already do. What if we did? How would everything around us change? How would every interaction we have change? You see, if we're going to love the family and by extension hopefully change the world, then God 
just like he sent his son to do, is calling us to serve. I'm going to talk to you this morning about three ways that we do it, three ways we serve this morning. The first thing is this, we serve in our home. All three of these areas we're going to talk about this morning, uh, being able to even ask that question, how is God asking me to serve, they all hinge upon the condition of our heart. Starts with what's going on inside of us. And when it comes to our home, for our heart to be where it needs to be, we must consider our family a privilege. I'm going to let sink in with you for a minute. We must consider our family a privilege. Sometimes we get caught up in the busyness of our day-to-day. I know this happens to me. And it gets really easy to start thinking of our job as a parent or a grandparent as a duty instead of an honor. Yeah, man, my, uh, my family keeps me busy. My sons keep me busy. Um, but I have to consider my family a privilege. Listen to what the Bible says about it. Uh, this is Psalm 127, 3 through 5 in the NLT. It says this, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Now, children are a gift from the Lord. Now, if we are truthful, uh, then, of course, we must acknowledge something, and that is uh, this. A quiver of children sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> Our quiver has three kids at the moment. Uh, one of them's out of the house. The other two are at home. They keep us plenty busy. Uh, they were playing lightsabers this morning at 740 when I left. For those of you that have had, uh, have or have had more kids than three in the house, man, I honor you. <laughs> but might I suggest this morning that having a heart to serve in our homes, however your home looks, it starts with seeing all of it as a gift and none of it as a burden. All of it as a gift and none of it as a burden. And when we think of it this way, the duties don't necessarily change, but the motivation behind doing that stuff does change. We're not doing it anymore because we have to, but because we, what we have been given as far as our family is an incredible gift from God. The duties don't change, but the motivation does. And when we consider our family to be a privilege, that scripture in Psalm 127, it tells us that we will be joyful. It says we will not be put to shame. And as far as how we do it, how we serve in our home, the Bible is full of instruction of nuts and bolts on on doing so, how to take care of our family, how to serve our family. In fact, one of the Ten Commandments, the Fifth Commandment, it says this, Exodus 20, 12, right? Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. New Testament calls that the first commandment with a promise. Now, you might be here and asking, yeah, what if, honestly, my relationship with my parents is not good because of trauma or abuse or, or something else? Well, this verse is not saying you have to give them space in your life to hurt you or continue to harm you. And to you, honoring your father or mother may simply look like forgiving them, praying for them from a distance. Honoring your parents looks different for everyone. I, I hope and pray that your relationship with yours is good, but it might look like forgiving and praying from a distance. But the word of God is clear. Honor your father and mother so you may live long in the land 
When it comes to husbands and wives, right, Ephesians 5.21 says this very simply. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. Of course, Ephesians 5, it goes into lots of details, right? We're not going to camp on those this morning, but it goes into details about wives submitting to husbands, husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church. We're not going to develop that today. Uh, we did it about a year ago when we went through Ephesians. But just a couple of things. Husbands, it, it, does, it says submit to one another, so we're all supposed to submit. And husbands, yes, you are called to lead but I'm just telling you, it does not mean you get to tell your wife to submit. You don't get to do that. If you want to try it, just let me know. I'll have a couple ice packs ready for the black eyes that you end up with. <laughs> also, it says loving their wives as Christ loves the church. Well, if you're wondering how far that goes, Jesus gave his life for the church. Wives, submit to your husbands who love their wives as Christ loves the church. Submit to one another. Now, verse, when it comes to our relationship with our spouse, uh, means we should just focus on that thing on the screen. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Again, when we are thinking of our spouse, we start to ask, how can I serve instead of what can I get? Man, it changes our motivation. If we want to have kids that are polite and kind and think of others' needs before their own, which we all do, of course, then we can say what we want to say. You can say everything. You can talk to you blue in the face. But modeling servanthood each day and night is what's going to instruct them the most. You can preach and you can teach. You can put Bible verses on the wall. But modeling servanthood is what's going to instruct them the most. No, I can't give you a perfect formula for it today. Because it looks different in different homes at different times. Depending on the rhythm of your year and the rhythm of your life. Sometimes... In your families, serving your spouse or your family, it looks like working extra hours to bring in extra income. That's just what you do because that's what God has given you to do. Sometimes serving your spouse or your family means doing extra chores so your spouse can do those extra hours. Sometimes that means uh, serving your spouse means sacrificing a comfortable situation so your spouse can fulfill the desires of their heart according to God's will. You sacrifice so they can go to school or sacrifice so they can take a job or whatever. Sometimes it just is real simple. It means taking turns, waking up with the kids so each one of you can live to see another day and survive it. <laughs> We've certainly had nights like that. Just remember, it's the heart and not the method that's the key. It begins in our heart. And when it comes to our kids... Again, we're just taking the, the 30,000-foot zoomed-out version of this. Look at what Ephesians 6.4 says. This is the NLT. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And there's so much that can be said about that verse, and I certainly don't have it all figured out. I'm learning every day. But in just a thought or two, fathers, do not provoke your children Rather bring them up with the discipline it means just that we should be fair in the way we treat our kids. Discipline your kids, discipline our kids with consistency in whatever way you feel like the Lord has revealed to you is right. Different kids are wired different ways, different families are wired different ways. What you're probably starting to see is that the way to serve in our home is to do our best to adhere to what God's word says. 
you don't know where to start, then go start there. Adhere to what God's word says. Most of all, most importantly, we must keep Christ as the foundation of our homes. And there's this beautiful passage of scripture, clear back in Deuteronomy, that I believe speaks uh, over our homes. Deuteronomy 6, uh, verses 5 through 9. I'm reading it to you at the NLT today. I just love the way it puts it. I think we have it on the screen. Deuteronomy 6 says this, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road. When you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Man, that's powerful. That about sums it up. Repeat God's commands to our children. Sometimes you feel like you're repeating it and they're not hearing it. Keep repeating it. Talk about those commands when we are home and when we're traveling. Put those commands someplace where our kids, where our family is going to see them at all times. And as for the way that it changes the world, well, when we serve in our homes, as we are commanded to do in God's word, uh, it produces families who go about their lives asking those questions we talked about at the beginning, right? How can I serve Instead of what can I get? When we start living that way, the people that we run into in our comings and goings, they're going to notice how contrary that is to the rest of the world. You walk into a workplace and you're asking, how can I help? Instead of what do I get? People are going to think you're weird. You see, how we love the family is by serving in our home. Another way we love the family is that we serve in our community, serve in our community. I've talked before on a Sunday, multiple Sundays probably, about how all of us who know Jesus, we have a mission. And that mission is that we tell others about the wonderful, deep and wide, far as the east is from the west, love of God. That's the mission we all have. The mission looks different for every person, but that is the mission you have if you know Jesus. Quite often we quote Matthew 28, 28, 19, right? Known as the Great Commission when talking about this. You know, go therefore to all the world, preach the gospel to all nations. There's another scripture, though, that I really love uh, that kind of, I think, gives a little more detail to it. Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, what I really love about that scripture is that it defines the mission just a little bit more. Because for all of us, when we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit immediately does the work of sanctifying our hearts. The Bible says the Holy Spirit enters us, sanctifies our hearts, regenerates us, and lives with us as our comforter. And the Holy Spirit, from the moment we accept Christ, is with us. But when we look a little closer at those uh, places mentioned right there in Acts 1 8, um, we see that Jerusalem is the city in which they lived. All right, they're writing it to Jerusalem. So Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, he's saying, hey, people, go to your neighborhood and your city, and you go and you tell them the good news. Go into your subdivision, go into Boise, go to your neighbor, and tell them what the Lord has done. Right? Go, to, go to your local spot. That's what Jerusalem is. He also says to go to Samaria. We talked about Samaritan woman last week. 
Now, Samaria was the region straight to the north of where they were. So Luke is saying, hey, take the gospel, take the good news, take it to the next territory over. Next place over, take it. For us, that would be more, right, like taking it to Nampa and Caldwell. The places, you know, they're not walking distance, but otherwise easily acceptable. These days, for us in the United States, that means anywhere stateside, because you can fly anywhere in a day in the United States. Take the gospel to the next territory over. Finally, Luke tells them here, uh, go to the ends of the earth. For them, that meant farther than they ever imagined going. You know, they didn't have a map of the world, an idea of how the earth was like we do here. So they just, they didn't know what ends of the earth meant. It just meant farther than they ever had been. But for us, this means to any and every country on earth. We're so blessed to live in 2023. We can go anywhere we want. That's why we have those frames out there on the wall, uh, in the hallway out there. The places where we're doing our very best to send the gospel. And if you notice, all three of those categories we just talked about, they're represented. There's stuff that's right here in Boise. There's stuff that's stateside. And there's stuff all over the world. The people that are coming next week are from, uh, ministering in Amsterdam, I believe. Another scripture that goes right along with both the Great Commission in Matthew 28 and in Acts 1 we just read. 1 John 3.18. It's not long, but it holds, uh, I believe, endless meaning for us as Christians. And let this sink in today. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. And those 15 words, they cut straight to the heart of how we serve our community. Not with words or speech, but with actions and truth. And all John really is doing there is he's echoing these words that he heard Jesus speak while on earth that he wrote down in his gospel. All right, John 13, 34, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What really captures my heart about those two scriptures is what they don't say. Because there's nothing in here about anyone who's disqualified us from us helping them. There's not anything in here about who you should or shouldn't love. You see, just as was the case in our home, uh, serving in our community begins inside of our heart. And it's something, something that even happens right here in our midst when we serve each other right here in this church. It's not something that you can necessarily legislate, but it's something that's inside of us. It just tends to happen if it's in there. Um, Paul, yeah, Paul's in here. I'm going to make it a good example out of you, Paul, today. I didn't tell him I was going to do this. Um, man, what I've, you know, in my time getting to know Paul, uh, I have come to understand that Paul, if there's a need that he hears about, um, he's going to take care of it because that is what's in his heart. Somebody called me this week, and uh, uh, they were having trouble with their car. And uh, I know very, very little about cars. Um, and I have replaced an alternator and I replaced a battery. And the person was explaining to me uh, what was going on with the car. And, uh, like, I can replace an alternator. If I go follow a YouTube video, it takes me forever. I'll probably be frustrated, you know. And, uh, but I was willing to help and try. This person, they're talking to me. Yeah, you know, we bought a new battery, but then the, now the car won't start. And 
Um, and I'm thinking, this is probably the alternator, right? And then she says, I also called Paul. And I was like, okay, I don't need to think about this anymore because Paul's going to take care of it. I didn't talk to Paul, but you know what? Paul took care of it. <laughs> Paul, you're a great example to me. It's just inside of him. It's just what he does. And his heart that Paul shows pretty regularly. It's the heart behind some of the things that we do that try to point us outside of these four walls, right? In November and December, the last couple of years, we've given to the rescue mission. Last year around Mother's Day, uh, we gave to this pro-life organization here in Boise called uh, Stanton Healthcare. What Stan does is they make sure that mothers who otherwise might have ended a pregnancy, they have what they need in order to keep the baby. And we'll continue to look for chances uh, as a church to do more in our community. My prayer is that this heart uh, that Paul exemplifies so well, that this heart would go from us from this place each week. That we would love not just in what we say, but in the actions we take each day. Right? That we'd be the ones that are changing the tires in Jesus' name, watering people's lawns when they're out of town in Jesus' name, carrying groceries in, buying meals for those who can't afford it. All of that in Jesus' name, from here on this property to the ends of the earth. That's what Acts tells us to do. Not only would we serve those here within our church, but we would serve our community at large, regardless of whether they are a believer or not. In fact, we just read what the Bible said, right? The way our neighbors will know that we are disciples of Jesus is through our actions and not through our words. The wonderful part, though, is that we get to trust God to do the saving if we are faithful to serve. The, the power is taken out of our hands, right? All we can do is serve. There's somebody in our church that uh, buys uh, stacks of $25 Walmart gift cards, and they, we keep them here in the safe, and I'm able to give them to people uh, that call and need help. And we get people that call all the time that, you know, are asking for money or asking for help. We get people that just walk by, bang on the door. They see us outside, catch us at lunchtime or something. And these people, they come by, and uh, I have these, I always, we don't give people cash, but I say, hey, I have these Walmart gift cards. I'd be happy to give you a couple of them. And I, I try to meet them in person. I say, I always say, hey, can I pray for you? We have a lady that drops by here every few months on a Wednesday, knowing she's going to get the Walmart gift cards. And that's why she comes. We've prayed with her before. Guess how many of those people have come back to church? Goose egg so far. Zero. But it's okay because we are doing what the word of God says. Right? We're loving with our actions and not our words. And the thing is, we can trust God to redeem the heart, whether it's here or whether it's somewhere else. If we plant the seed and someone else waters it and they get to know the Lord, then we did what we were supposed to do. I firmly believe that when we get to heaven, we're going to meet people that said, hey, thank you for, for showing God's love to me with the Walmart gift card. I met the Lord later on because of that. Because this way of thinking is so opposite to the way much of society thinks, it's a concrete way that we contribute to God changing the world. Like I said a minute ago, it's not going to be long before people start asking, why are you doing that? Especially uh, if the person you are serving is someone you've cultivated a relationship with, your neighbor, your coworker. 
I can tell you with certainty that when we approach each day with a heart of servanthood, not that it's easy to do all the time, but when we do it, then we will have a chance to tell people about the God we serve. We're going to have chances to invite them to church. So we'd better be ready. I forgot to mention this earlier. I've got uh, out on the, uh, in the foyer, we have like 500 of these uh, little invite cards. Take these things, hand them to your neighbors, your coworkers, leave them at a restaurant or whatever. Uh, make sure you take them. Give them all away. It has uh, what we're doing, times and stuff on the back. You'll see a Facebook event pop up. Make sure you share that and all that stuff. We'd better be ready. What if instead of asking, what do I get out of this when it comes to our community, we begin to ask, how do I serve? See, we love our family when we serve in our community together. Remember what, that we serve because serving is what Jesus shows us how to do. Simple as that. Finally, friends, we love the family when we serve in our church. It's such a beautiful thing to be a part of the family of God. Even if you have a wonderful family at home, which I know a lot of you do, I'm sure grateful for my family, it's a wonderful thing to be part of the family of God. It's a special blessing to come to a church like this one. We're blessed to have this building and this property. But I want to tell you today, and the Bible says this, that the church is not the physical assets that we own. Church is not this building. The church is each of our hearts coming together and serving together. And the church, just quite simply, it doesn't exist without each of us serving each other sacrificially. This morning before we close, probably 10 minutes or so, the morning before, this morning before we close, I want to mention just three quick ways that we serve uh, here within our church. Again, these are way zoomed out, but uh, these are three ways we can serve. One of those, and the most important, is that we serve by sharing each other's burdens. I'm going to read you the scripture uh, that Paul wrote down, Galatians 6, uh, 1 through 3. Let's find my spot here. That's not it. Put my bookmark in the wrong spot. I'm reading it to you again out of the NLT today. <clears throat> Galatians 6, Galatians 6, 1 through 3. In the NLT, this is verses 1 through 3. I, I chose in the NLT, and you're going to see why at the end. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Ow, man. I read that one to you because I really like the way it's phrased. Because, friends, something unfortunate has happened over the years in churches, not this church necessarily, but the thing we tend to do is eat our own. People make mistakes, they get caught in sin, do something they wish they wouldn't have done, and uh, we're not kind to them. The mission is out there in the world. While we as Christians, we're here busy poking at each other. Oh, man, you made a huge mistake. Hope nobody finds out about that, right? But one of the most important ways that we serve the church is by sharing each other's burdens. Now, I'm not saying we are permissive of foolishness or sin. The Bible's clear. We don't do that. But by remembering that every single person on this earth is loved by God, and all of us are able to receive God's grace. And as Galatians 
so plainly puts it, right? If you think you're too important to help someone else, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. That's in the Bible. In fact, when it comes to someone in our midst who is struggling with mistakes they've made or simply just because life is hard, harder than they ever thought it would be, they're, they're struggling with stuff that is not fair. Paul also says this in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 2, we always thank God for you and continually mention you in our prayers. That's what we should be doing for each other in the church. That's how we serve in the church. I submit to you, friends, that in our church, that should be our first impulse, to thank God for each other, continually mention them in prayer. That doesn't mean that everybody agrees or even that everyone has to go to the same church. It's the big C church, not the little C church. It just means that we serve as God's church by lifting one another up. We also serve God's church in our tithing and giving. This is an uncomfortable one to talk about at church, but it's in the Bible, so we got to talk about it. For those of you that tithe and give, man, thank you so much for serving God in that way. Here's what the Bible says about how we serve that way. Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. That's a pretty meaningful scripture, but it's really meaningful to me to pair that with 2 Corinthians 9, uh, 6 through 8. It says this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you, bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You aren't going to hear us at this church talk about money all the time. We do need to let you know what it says because it's in the Bible. And we'll let you know what it says in these two verses, that God gives us a command to tithe, give one-tenth of our income. And it even says to testament. It doesn't say that very often in the Bible, but there it does. And that we should do it with a joyful heart. I want you to know, all of you in this place, uh, we're not checking up on you each week or month to see if you gave. It's not that kind of church. There's other ones that are like that, and that's not us. But I also want you to know that there is freedom and there's great blessing in giving to God what is God's. I can't explain it except that it's in the Bible, but when you do what the Bible commands, God blesses you. My encouragement to you in this area would be this, is that if you are not tithing, then begin to, just because the word, God tells, tells, word of God tells you to. Not because I told you to, but because we just read the scripture about it. It's not a requirement to go to the church. No one's checking up on you. Nothing like that. But just try it and see what God does in your life. If you're giving, but you're not giving the true tithe, you're not giving 10% of what you earn, I'd encourage you to make it 10%. Again, because God says to do so, and again, just go see what God does. Like 2 Corinthians says, everyone should give what they believe is right in their heart, and they should do it cheerfully. And my hope for you in this area is that you experience the blessing God gives when you honor him in this way. That's all there is to it. Finally today, we serve the church 
mm, with our gifts and our time. First mm. Corinthians uh, 12, 4 through 7 tells us this. We've got it on the screen there. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. These are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for their common good. We've covered this in detail before, and we will again. Uh, but again, we're zoomed way out today. I believe God wants you to know, all of you in this place, God has given each of you special gifts. He has equipped each one of you to serve his church. And there is nothing like coming together and serving at church alongside your family. Your, your family in your home, but also your church family. There's nothing like it. For one, it makes us feel fulfilled because we are using a gift that God put inside of us. But also there's something good that happens when we come together and become a part of something that we could not do on our own. No matter what your gift is, and all of you have gifts, whether your gift is greeting, people with a smile on your face, kids, or music, or computers, or spreadsheets. Wouldn't have thought that was a gift until I met my wife. People are gifted at spreadsheets. There is a place for you to use that gift at church. I'll tell you, we need all of you to help, uh, to have those gifts to help us with Easter. We believe a bunch of people are going to come, and we need all of you that have those gifts help us with Easter. Maybe the gift you have is that you like to be generous. I forgot to mention earlier, uh, we need a lot of candy for our 1,000 Easter eggs we're going to give away. So if you want to donate some candy, there's a box out there. Write us a check. We'll go buy the candy. All of us have gifts. A great example, example is our glow and treat. We did uh, last, I wasn't on Halloween. I remember if it was the day before or day after. We did our glow and treat, right? We did it out here in the parking lot. And, uh, you know, the first year we did it, it was on Halloween. And this year, we did it on the day that worked best for us. It wasn't on Halloween. I was just hoping, like, we'd have some people here. Those of you that were here, which is a whole bunch of you, because it took all of us to pull this off. Man, if you were here that night, right, I think the thing started at 6.30 and 5.45. People were parking out there. And they just kept on coming, right? That was people just lined up along the fence all the way out on the road, I climbed up on the roof and took a picture, and I was just hoping, like, the police didn't come and get mad because there was people everywhere. I'm serious. It was an awesome thing, but that was something that it took all of us together as a Gage Boys to using our gifts in order to make it happen. It took however many of you did trunks for the trunk or treat part of it, right? It took however many of you are. Uh, we're here to help with crowd control. Took however many of you were here to go uh, buy extra candy and bring it to us because we ran out of candy. Took however many of you were here to set up the lights and tear down the lights, all that stuff. It took all of us using our gifts in order to make it happen. God's church is at its best when we serve together on a regular basis. It's vitally important. Of course, that we remember the words of Jesus, Matthew 23, 11, says this very simply, the greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest among you will be your servant. And having been involved for church for a big chunk of my life, something I try to continually remind myself of, and I have to do it pretty regularly, is that it's not an honor for the church to have me. It's an honor for me to serve the church. If I get to serve the church and nobody knows my name, that's just fine. 
You see, if I serve God's church here in this place, next door to the ends of the earth, it's just fine if nobody knows who I am. So naturally, you might be asking, right, how does serving the church change the world? Well, my firm belief is that our church should be a hospital for the hurting, right? You've probably heard that phrase before. A place where the heavy laden, they can bring their burdens, lay them down at the feet of Jesus this morning, just like all of you did when you're worshiping today. And when we do that in a way that places all the focus on God and none of the focus on ourselves, then people's hearts are changed by the power of Jesus. What if, friends, when we came to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, whenever we come, instead of asking, what do I get out of this, we started to ask, how can I serve? Remember that we serve because it's what Jesus shows us how to do. We serve in our families, our community, and in our church. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I want to pray over you. I only got one more thing to do. Lord Jesus, thank you for your people. Thank you for Engage Boise. Thank you for this church. Uh, thank you for each heart, each family represented here. Lord, we give you all that we hope to be. Uh, and I pray that uh, you would move upon us and our hearts in this very moment, each one of these people, uh, that your anointing would find them. Uh, they would begin to look for ways to serve uh, if they haven't ever done it. Lord, I pray that you would just give divine inspiration uh, for us and how we can serve in our homes, in our neighborhoods, our workplace, in our church. Lord, if there's people in this place who they have a gift uh, that would bless your church, but they're not using it, out of fear or because uh, they think they're too busy or whatever the reason may be. Lord, if you have it for them to serve, would you put it on their heart? Lord, we pray even as we get ready to, uh, uh, to preach the gospel, preach the good news here in a few weeks on Easter, that you uh, would bring us together like never before, that we'd all use our gifts together and we lay them at your feet. And Heavenly Father, um, Heavenly Father, you would bind us together, that you would become more we would become less. Lord, we lay everything we are at your feet. As you would speak your life into it. Pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, we've been talking uh, a lot lately about when we know Christ, that we are all part of the same family. And there's a scripture that keeps resurfacing. Scripture I knew, but just has meant so much to me lately. It's this, Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. In a family, uh, large and small, uh, there's times when you got to talk about important things. And uh, something we need to do this morning, Pastor Almeida and Antonio are going to join me on the stage here as we get ready to finish service. Uh, and they're just going to talk about some big things that God is speaking into their lives and asking them to do. And here, I'll hand this to you guys. Move this table out of the way so everybody can see you. I don't know if the bottom one's on, Pastor Almeida. So, uh, Pastor Almeida, we'll just give the floor to you. Uh, I'll let you tell us what the Lord is speaking to you guys. And, of course, Antonio, too, if you're ready. Can you hear me? Okay. Uh, so, earlier in the service, we were singing about the goodness of God and um, singing about how his 
his mercy endure forever. And how his goodness is always running after us. I believe that wholeheartedly today. That his goodness is constantly pursuing us. Then there's a part, I'll say my favorite part. And it, uh, it requires us, us to do something. In the bridge it says, with my life laid down, I surrender now, I give you everything. And so about five years ago, uh, Antonio and I were praying and seeking God um, for direction and his purpose in our life. And in doing so, God said, now is the time. Now is the time for you to go back into uh, ministry as a worship pastor. And then God led us here to engage. And so uh, with him leading us here, um, we've grown and we've matured in our callings, in our walk with the Lord. Um, it's been an amazing five years. We've gained family, we've gained friends, and uh, just received so much unconditional love. And uh, we daily seek his face and in praying, you know, we would always ask God, is, is, what is your will for us? God, is your will here? What, what do you want us to do? And so the Lord, normally he would say, yes, um, this is what he wants us to do. This is where he has for us. Until recently, um, his answer changed. Yeah, his answer changed and it said, now I'm requiring total trust and total faith. And in that, he said that we'll be going back home to Virginia. And so in that, I surrender all. My life laid down. I'm surrendering now. I give him everything. We give him everything. Um, we're going to answer that call. And so we'll finish out. Um, Pastor has allowed us to, to finish out the month of April. And then in May, we'll be returning back to Virginia. And I want to say to the church that um, it has definitely been a joy to grow here, to gain family and to gain friends. It's definitely been an honor to help you on your journey in worshiping the Lord and knowing him better. It's been a journey for us of healing and peace and restoration here in the city of Boise and at this church. And so for the rest of the time and even after, even after that we leave, I want you to have this one constant thing that your faith is within the Lord, is with the Lord. 
and that your trust never wavered and that you would continue to come and continue to serve the Lord where he has you. So it's, um, it's really been a blessing to um, serve in this church, um, serve this community, um, and, and just uh, serve in ministry here. When I first got here, um, I was serving in the youth ministry, and then I served in the kids ministry. And a lot of you know that I served the live stream. Um, and it's just been a blessing, and it's been a you know um, pleasure just to to be here with uh, with you all and um, be a part of community and not just a community, uh, a family. Um, and we've really grown here, but uh, it's time for us to um, continue our growth. And as we all should, we all should just continue our growth. And sometimes that means growing um, in different ways, um, different places and um, and in and, and those different seasons of growth sometimes you have to put your faith and trust in, in the Lord um, and wholly uh, trust him and and get and put all your faith in him and sometimes that means not necessarily knowing um, all of the details of your next season and uh, what are you going to be doing next and you know stuff like that so um, yeah it's just really been a blessing to be here in Boise and engage Boise and just to serve this community and this church and and worship with you all and yeah I'm just gonna I'm gonna miss everybody thanks Antonio hey uh, we're gonna pray over them in a moment but would you just join me in uh, applauding Pastor Amin and Antonio for just how amazing they've been This is not the only time I'll honor them. So their last Sunday with us will be the last one in April. And uh, we will make much of them that day because uh, the Lord says to do that, to honor those who deserve honor. Um, I mean, I applaud you guys for following the voice of the Lord. You know, I've said this lots of times here. I've said it to you. You know, uh, for all things, there is a season. The thing is we don't get to decide when the seasons change. I'm just honoring you for following the Lord's voice. We've been walking through this together for a few months, and I just honor you guys for continuing to serve well. It works. I'm so grateful that just today was the day we talked about serving because Pastor Almeida embodies the heart of a servant. One thing she prays all the time is we'll be so careful to give you all the praise, and I know that you do that. And I'm grateful for you. It's an honor to have you here for as long as we have you. And uh, we'll make much of you. I can't wait to minister on Easter with you guys. And um, uh, the Lord is in it. It's going to be good. Would you stretch your hands forward, friends? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, Pastor Omi and Antonio. Lord Jesus, thank you uh, that you do all things well. Lord, that every good and perfect gift comes from you. Uh, Lord, and we just, as their church, as Engaged Boise, we'll always be their church. And Lord, we speak those good and perfect gifts over them today. Heavenly Father, that you would give them divine and perfect direction. You'd speak clearly to them. Lord, as they get ready to go back to Virginia to honor you, to take care of their family, that you would make their path straight. Uh, Lord, that it would just be lit up so brightly and clearly for them that they cannot miss it. 
Lord, I pray you'd give them divine appointments even now. Prepare the way for them, for jobs and churches and living situations. Lord Jesus, that you would go before them. Lord, thank you for the time uh, we've had uh, with them. Thank you, Lord, that uh, they've ministered with their whole hearts, given everything they are. I pray you'd honor them for it. Oh, Jesus, I pray that you'd bless them as they prepare to transition. Oh, Lord, especially honor them and bless them for following your voice, even if it's a little difficult. And we thank them for you, Lord. We commit them to you. Uh, we ask you go with them with your grace and your mercy. Uh, thank you for them. Pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Yeah, absolutely. So thank you guys. Yeah, give me a hand. Amen. So we'll be giving you details about how to celebrate them as we go forward. Uh, don't forget, donate some candy for us. Sign up to help us on Easter. It's going to be a great day. And we will see you uh, Wednesday or Sunday. Thanks for coming to church. See you soon. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit us at engageboise.com. Have an amazing day.